The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, April 8th. Uh, woke up this morning to a picture my wife was sending me of my dog in my child's shoes. Uh, my son had decided this morning that he was going to put shoes on the dog. That's how deeply quarantined we are. So we're trying to keep bringing content to you. We're going to do that by running through the top 10 uh, running back prospects in this draft. But little piece of bonus content this Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Super Friends are going to do a live chat podcast. Uh, it is going to be on Podbean, and we're going to do it live, is what the promo says, uh, with everybody connecting on Zoom uh, and everything else, everybody being kind of stuck in their houses. We want to connect with you guys and, uh, and, and chat up our listeners. So, again, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be on the Podbean app. We're going to do a live podcast there. Uh, go to the app store in your phone. Search for Podbean. It's a free app to download, or you can go to podbean.com, I believe. And on Thursday at 8 p.m., we're going to do a live mailbag show. You can interact with me, Ryan Wilson, and Sean Wagner-McGuff. Uh, John Breach, still off on personal matters. Uh, things can get weird. Thursday at 8. Uh, I mean, I can – I don't know if you're allowed to – well, you know what? I'm allowed to drink when I work because my boss told me when he told me to do his daily podcast to start – you know, just start drinking when you do your podcast. So uh, I'll be drinking. You guys get your favorite cocktail, favorite beer, maybe ice water, iced tea, whatever you're on, you know, quarantine diet, and swing by Podbean Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, joining me today to break down his top ten running backs, uh, Josh Edwards, CBS Sports NFL Draft Analyst. Josh, what's up, buddy? Not too much. Everybody's, uh, everybody's healthy. So that's, that's pretty much all we can ask for these days. But I've actually, I started the joke on a previous podcast that I've seen you and Ryan more than I've seen my own immediate family. Yeah. It's now a reality. I've seen you guys more than I've seen like my parents, everything since we started this. So it's been wild. I have seen my parents. I've seen you more times in the last two weeks or three weeks than I have my parents. Cause I think I faced it. Well, in fact, like yesterday I was doing a podcast at three o'clock and my wife FaceTimed with my mom. Which is really nice for, you know, to go out of her way and like FaceTime with a mother-in-law. Like that's, I pre, I really appreciated that. And my mom read a Bernstein Bears book to my son, uh, over, uh, uh FaceTime or whatever it was. So yeah, I'm trying to do their part. But yeah, man, when you're creating the content, it gets a little, uh, 
I mean, I've definitely spent more time with Ryan and, and, and Sean and Breach over the last four weeks than I have my, fa- my, my parents over the last like three months, which is kind of depressing. But you know what? We got to, we got to build for the draft. So, uh, let's dive into it. By the way, coming up later this week, we will do top wide receiver. Uh, this is offensive prospect rankings week on the old pick six podcast. Top wide receivers will be, uh, tomorrow with Ryan Wilson and then tight end offensive line with Pete Prisco, who, uh, by the way, played a little, uh, actually, you know what? I don't need to talk about the prank I played on Pete. I'll we'll talk about it later. Let's get to, uh, your running backs, Josh, where they might go, who might be a good fit. Uh, who they resemble and how they could play out, um, depending on where they land. Uh, okay. I gotta be honest. I don't know all of these guys. Um, it's a fairly deep running back class, I feel like, but it might be a little top heavy. Is that fair? I think it's a pretty deep class. I think once you start getting to probably the seventh running back in this class, I think is where you kind of start seeing a little bit of a dip. Yep. Um, in which case it kind of becomes interchangeable at that point. So, uh, there's a lot of, you know, different kind of talents that are available in this class. So I think a lot of teams are going to be happy with what they walk away with. All right, that's, that's sort of similar to the quarterback class, too. I think, like, you got the top group of guys, and then you can really interchange how you want. Whereas I think the wide receiver class, it's a lot of personal preference, and there's uh, but there, you know, 10 to 12 dudes that, that could fill out that top 10. Uh, is it LaMichael Pirine? LaMichael Pirine. LaMichael. Yeah. Oh, LaMichael. That makes more sense. LaMichael Pirine. Is that Samaje Pirine's brother? Ah. Uh... You know what? I knew that at some point. I think they're actually cousins, if I remember correctly. Have to be related. You're right. They are cousins. All right. They are cousins. Yeah, we'll get to him. He's a he's a pretty good good player in his own right. Well, what do you? uh, Oh, Samaje? No, Lamichael. Oh, we already were starting on Lamichael. Oh, that's your quote. Oh, okay. So we're we're working back. Okay. I'm saying like he's number ten. Like, uh, let's dive into uh, the Lamichael Piran from Florida. Um, give me, he's a little bit older, actually 22 years old, which is, means that, you know, I mean, I think not like it's a big deal. You're going to use him for five years and then dump him anyway. But, uh, what do you like about this kid and, uh, how did he end up making your top 10 list? Yeah, I, you know what? He wasn't in my top 10 initially, but the more I got to watching him, he's just a really well-rounded player. Um, effective pass catcher. He's tough, uh, good in pass protection. So you don't have to worry about taking him off, off the field on certain downs, he doesn't possess that elite speed, so I think that's one area where, you know, you, you kind of have to base what your offense is trying to do around that. Um, I had him going at number 165 overall, okay. uh, which I think is the fifth or sixth round, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was if he was taken a little bit earlier, uh, if I had to be honest. Okay. So we're looking at a guy, you know, day three running back pick who, depending on the landing spot, um, could end up – Maybe seeing some time next year, but probably just in spot duty, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, he's, like I said, you're going to get a lot of good value even into day three. So in this particular scenario, I had him going to the Jaguars. So, you know, he would not be asked to start as a rookie. He would be more of a complimentary piece to uh, Leonard Fournette. And then we kind of see what happens with him next offseason and it potentially works into a starter's role. But I don't think you're going to have to ask him to take that on immediately. Okay. Uh, number nine, Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State. What's up? App. Love App State. Um, this guy is a different style runner than, than P. Ryan. And by the way, P. Ryan, when you talk about him like that, it's like, 
does a lot of stuff well, but not really explosive. That reminds me of Samaje P. Ryan, even though he set the record for most rushing yards in a game, I think, with Oklahoma. Like, he's just not – you look at him, he's a plotter. Like, he's just not that, you know, not that thrilling. Uh, Evans is a little more explosive, right, but a smaller running back. He's uh, – I would say explosion is probably on the lesser end of what he's okay. best at, um, along with pass protection. I, he, when I look at him, he's a patient, springy running back. He's got good vision. Great contact balance, which is something that I think you'll find is is pretty common with this running back class throughout. I think I, it was either me or Chris actually put a comparison of Bilal Powell um, on top of him. I had him going number 119 overall to the Falcons in my most recent mock draft, and then I had the, the Carolina Panthers and the Chargers um, as some other potential fits. But once you're kind of in those day three kind of situations – you start looking for those value players, guys that could possibly step in and start one day. So you're not so much worried about uh, the scheme fits at that point as much as you are just trying to get some quality players in your building. Yeah, and I think uh, good, like you said, good pass catcher. Uh, also, he never fumbled in college. 482 carries, no fumbles. That should go some way. I mean, like that's got to go to something if you're an NFL team and you're looking for a guy who can impact, as a, especially as like a third down back, special teams guy who maybe gets picked in the third, what do you think, third, fourth, fifth round, third, fourth round? So I think the early fourth round uh, is probably his sweet spot, um, probably somewhere in, in the in the fourth round. I could see him slipping into maybe the third round, but I think it's more likely you're looking at that fourth round kind of range. Okay. All right. Uh, at number eight for you, we had uh, Joshua Kelly out of uh, UCLA. Tell me about this young man. Yeah, again, not elite top end speed. Um, athleticism explosion is not really what you're looking at when you get uh, Joshua Kelly, but he's, he's a guy that does everything else really well. Um, we didn't see a lot of pass, uh, uh, pass production from him, but in the opportunities that he was given to catch, catch passes, I was pretty pleased with uh, what he showed in that regard. He's a physical runner, uh, smooth, balanced, um, again, good contact balance. I had him going number 94 overall to the Packers um, in my seven-round mock draft, and then I had the Bengals and the 49ers as potential fits as well. But we do these draft profiles between Ryan, Chris, and I um, over the course of the offseason, and I don't know if it was if it was Chris or I at this point that, that did the comparison for Josh Kelly, but um, somebody wrote in Rex Burkhead. So you kind of get an idea of what he brings to the table just by that comparison alone. Okay. So obviously a pass catcher, but like kind of a, like a. Yeah, he's not going to blow you away with his, his speed, his athleticism, but he's a real solid player. He's going to do pretty much everything, um, at a very adequate level. A guy that you can trust having on the field. If you have an injury or two, you're not, you're not too worried about him seeing some action. All right. Uh, I keep opening up our, by the way, we have a pick six podcast show. I keep opening up the wrong rundown. Um, because they both have pick six at the top of them. Uh, pick six podcast show on CBS Sports HQ every single weekday, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. You can go to CBS Sports app on your Roku, Amazon Fire, uh, Xbox, uh, what a Roku. Did I mention that? Uh, CBS Sports app on your telephone. Wherever it is, you can check out our show, 4 to 5 Eastern. Uh, John Breach currently out. Bright McFadden in. He actually dunked on Sean on a uh, Bears-related situation. And uh, I think that we'll probably have another mock draft show from 12 to 2 Eastern next Monday, although TBD based on, um, you know, corona situations and, and how things 
happen there. At number seven, is this Anthony McFarland Jr.? Is that? It is. is. No. It's Booger? Baby baby Booger? Well, I actually don't know that either. That's, uh, that would make sense. It's worth looking at. I can't imagine they are just by their, their, uh, body structures as well, but I would have to look into that. That's kind of, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's I weird. Like, I have to look into like that. I would have talked about that. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's not very likely he's from the state of Maryland as well. So the ties just don't really fit. I can't he imagine. Is not, that. He is not the son of okay. former NFL defensive lineman and, they share the same name, and he is a junior. He is not the son. So we do have an Antoine Winfield. It would, it would fit the timeline, though, like if Booger had a kid, right? Yeah, I was just surprised. You know, I would have heard something about that if that were the case. But then I started thinking, like, you know what? That's uh, that's pretty – it wouldn't be a surprise given everything that we've seen with Antoine Winfield um, and some of these other guys that, that have sons coming out this year as well, Thaddeus Moss. I'm Randy Moss's son. So it's it's that time. I mean, it's very possible. But uh, in this case, it's actually just a pure coincidence. Okay. That's interesting. All right. That's um, – they have uh, – now I don't want to dig into, like, Booger McFarland's kids or anything, but I kind of want to – kind of want to know if his kids are named – like, does he have a kid named Anthony McFarland Jr.? Because if I'm Anthony McFarland Jr., like, not, like not Booger's son, uh, I am absolutely, like, acting like I'm Booger's son. Yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to get a little extra. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't hurt to get a little extra publicity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, Anthony McFarland Jr. Wait, is hold on, this is confusing. Okay, so Anth- Booger McFarland is not Anthony. Okay, all right, all right. That this is wild. There's like a note in Wikipedia about it. Like, do not be confused with Booger McFarland. In fact, on Anthony McFarland's Wikipedia. So there you go. So it's not just me. Um, tell me about Anthony McFarland and what to like out of this young man out of. Uh, Maryland. Yeah, so this is kind of the the antithesis of of some of the guys that we talked about before this because he is explosive. I mean, this guy has top-end elite speed that you look at from the position. Um, Lateral quickness is solid. It gets gets to be a little dicey, but he runs a little bit too high, so you're not really counting on him um, on short yardage runs. Pass protection has to improve. And his pass-catch pass production was pretty limited as well. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot of that in their offense. Um, but it's something that he's going to have to become more comfortable with in today's NFL. Um, I had him going number 153 overall to the Dolphins. Uh, he was the second running back that I had the Dolphins taking. That's a big need for them in this class, and there's a lot of, a lot of options available. But I also had the Titans, the Bills, as a couple of other options, a guy that's going to be able to provide some um, explosion out of the backfield, Somebody, again, we've, we've got him compared to Jarek McKinnon, so you get a little bit of an idea of what he's able to bring to the table, even though we haven't really seen Jarek McKinnon much in, in recent years. Uh, but he's that kind of a player. He's, he's very fast. He's explosive. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get in, in the open space. If he sees open field, he's going to take it, and he's going to take it very quickly, so you've got to be able to react um, if you're an NFL defense. Uh, we had a 4-4. Four, four. Four at the 40 at the NFL Combine. So certainly he's flashed some speed, uh, but not insanely productive at Maryland either, right? Like, we just didn't have the numbers that you would, which is not necessarily always a bad thing, right? Like, all right, let me ask you this. If you're looking at a running back prospect, I mean, obviously you want to have productions because you get to see more tape on them. But if you're an NFL team and for like evaluating a prospect, like, it's not the worst thing in the world not to have 
you know, 1,200 carries coming out of college, right? No question because, and we'll talk about this with a few guys here shortly, but once you start seeing that level of carries, almost 200 carries a year over the course of a player's collegiate career, you start getting a little concerned about that because you're kind of hoping some of that that tire tread is um, still there when they do get to the NFL. We're seeing a trend in the NFL where you get great value out of rookie running backs and you get value into their second, their third years. But when you start having to invest 10 plus million dollars into the, the running back position on their second contracts, it hasn't really worked out that well. So um, you would rather have a guy that maybe has a little limited production at the collegiate level, but you see some of the ability that's going to translate to this level. So in the case of Anthony McFarland Jr., they had another draft-eligible running back in this class as well. His name is Javon Leak, uh, who's a really good player as well, should also get drafted. But um, those two were able to share the load a little bit for the Terrapins this past season, which I think ultimately is going to benefit them both in the long run as you as you kind of look at their earnings potential. Shout-out Greensboro, North Carolina, Javon Leak, Page High School. Although I see that uh, NFL.com's uh, – Breakdown. Their player bio has page spelled wrong. So go fix that, NFL. P-A-I-G-E. Page High School. Um, I'm big on promoting North Carolina. People don't care. Anyway, moving along. Uh, <laughs> Zach Moss, your number six, uh, running back in this class out of Utah. Well, powerful runner, right? Compact. Yeah, he is. He's, he's really fun to watch. He's coming off an injury this year, which is, uh, one of the weaknesses that I've gotten written down, he's not the most ex- he's not the most elusive, doesn't pos- uh, possess the top end speed that you would look at from some of these other options, but fantastic contact balance. I mean, it doesn't get any, any better than him in this class. Powerful runner, great hands. He's springy, so he gets in and out of gaps pretty quickly. Um, really talented runner. We've, we've got a comparison of Gus Edwards um, to Zach Moss. I had him going number 93 overall to the Titans. Um, and then so we're, talking about, we're talking about a top 100 runner here, right? Or top 100 pick, sorry. Exactly, yeah. So he's, he's a top 100 kind of player. Every player beyond this point is someone that I think you, you value as a top 100 player. Um, and Zach Moss is just a really gifted player. I think he would be even higher if it hadn't been for his injury. Uh, but I think his upside is about as good as anybody's in, anybody in this class. Okay. Uh, wow. That's interesting. Um, the Utah team was really good too. Uh, oh, it cousins with, uh, Santana and Sonoris Moss. Yeah. Interesting. See, that one I do know. You could have asked me that one. I would have ah, actually right. done that. So yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I saw the you mentioned it. I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. He went, uh, so that's, isn't that crazy? Like these guys were like, like ballers at the U and like peak Miami, like prime. And then like Zach Moss goes to Utah. Exactly. I think he was actually committed to the Hurricanes at one point in the process. Uh, I think they were led in separate directions before he ever was to sign anything. Um, but he actually had the same opportunity at one point to, to follow in their footsteps. Uh, so any of these guys have, you know, that we've gone through that, you know, the top. So this is, this is sort of where the drop off is for you, right? After, after Zach Moss, maybe? I would, so I think Zach Moss is on the fringe just because of his injury, but yeah, this is, this is kind of where we start seeing a little bit of a discrepancy between the top half of this list and the bottom half of this list. But just to show, I mean, the kind of depth that's available in this class, 
We didn't even talk about Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, Eno Benjamin from from Arizona oh, State. Yeah. Benjamin, I like, I like Eno. I Benjamin. know you. Yeah, exactly. I know you love Eno Benjamin, and obviously that's uh, that's Pete's alma mater as well. So I couldn't fit him onto the list, and we know that he's a really good player. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how how good this class can be. Um, all right. So with like Zach Moss, do you see a scheme fit at all for him, or is it does it is it um, is he because I, mean, I think that matters too. Like you look at these running backs, and you you know I think. Like a guy like Kyle Shanahan wants to find a guy who's a one cut runner who he knows can plant and go for his system. He doesn't want to just bring in any old guy to his system. Do you see any uh, particular uh, scheme schematic fit or a team fit that Zach Moss would work with? Yeah. Again, I gave him to the Titans. I also had the Lions and the Redskins as possibilities. Washington obviously has Adrian Peterson. They've got uh, Darius Geis who has struggled with some injuries. Detroit has Carryon Johnson, but he's had his own injury issues. Um, San Francisco is an easy one. I, I don't think I even gave them a running back, but, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty deep there, but at the same time, I could see them moving on from a couple of guys and, uh, bringing them into, into this class. So That's Zach Moss would be an interesting name for them as well. But, uh, Tennessee, I think is a good fit because he's a guy that can go in there and back up Derek Henry in the event that they, um, you know, don't get something locked down long term. Okay. Uh, Zach Moss is number six. Excuse me, not number seven. Number five. J.K. Dobbins. All right, now we're into the Will knows who all these guys are range of prospects. I, I know who Zach Moss is because I watched a significant. I, I watched it. You know, you look. If you're going to gamble on football, you're probably going to be watching some later football games. And Utah played later football games. But J.K. Dobbins, obviously a name that everybody knows. Uh, huge, you know, huge, huge opening run against Clemson for Ohio State. What? Uh, what? I'm sorry. I'm a little surprised you have him down at five. To be perfectly honest. Is that lower than most people? Uh, I would say it's probably a little lower than most people. I th- I think when you get to this range of running backs, there's very little that differentiates themselves. So I could see him being the second running back taken. I could also see him being the fifth running back taken. I'm not sure there's much of a gap. So um, for me, it says number five next to his name, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was the second running back off the board. Okay. Um I, I think people see like. Do you think he is an explo- like an explosive runner? Is he a grinder? Where does he fit in in terms of what he's asked to do? Because it's 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 easy to look at a team that's on a look at a player who's on a team like Ohio State, right? And to say like, ah, this guy is a you know this guy hits home runs all the time. Well, you know you just it's like Clemson, right? Like you're you know you're gonna get home runs because you play for a team with so many weapons that puts up so many points. Yeah. Yeah, he's got great lateral quickness. Again, contact balance. Pass catching um, is a strength of his. Ohio State ran a lot of stretch plays. Um, so that's where you're seeing some of those zone concepts um, coming into play there. So he would be a good fit for um, a zone kind of scheme because he already has that familiarity. He's got he's to improve as a pass protector. Um, this is one of the guys that we're talking about in terms of their carry load because he has had a lot of carries over the course of his career. Um, this is a guy who's one of the best Ohio State running backs um, of all time. I mean, when you look at his production, I think he's um, number two on their list all time. Um, he may have even eclipsed number one. I don't remember if he got there or not, but he, he's he's up there in terms of the the great. No way, no way he passed Eddie George. Oh, he did. Pa- he did pass Eddie George. He passed Zeke Elliott and Eddie George. Did not, however, pass Archie Griffin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, so he's uh, one thousand. 130 yards behind Archie Griffin, which tells you a lot about Archie Griffin. Yeah, exactly. If he had come back for a senior year, he 
uh, very well would have eclipsed that in all likelihood, but not the most. Ex- I, w- I wouldn't say explosive traits is his is one of his strengths. He's got so much other stuff that he does well. Um, I had him going to Baltimore at number fifty five overall. I thought the Packers. Yeah, I thought the Packers were a good fit for him as well. The Chiefs. Um, you know, so so there's there's some similarities in the in the way that they do things. He's very scheme versatile in what he can do, but because of his familiarity with a zone blocking scheme, I think that's kind of um, a sweet spot for him in this draft class. Okay. Um, one thing to look up for if you're ever mocking a running back to Baltimore, and I like I don't know the answer on J.K. Dobbins for this, and I I don't I can't look up Sports Info Solutions uh, quick enough. But I mean, he had 2,003 rushing yards last year, 301 carries. Woo. Yeah, it's a big game too. But uh, if you're looking up for uh, if you're looking up for Baltimore, check out how guys run out of shotgun. That's uh, I've, I've mentioned that like nine billion times. But they always tend to um, to focus on those guys. He had 193 rushing yards against Indiana, a buck 63 against. Uh, oh no, good lord! All right, so just for point of context, like Dobbins had 177. These are back to back to back to back games. 177 against Nebraska, 172 against Michigan State, 121 against Northwestern, 163 against Wisconsin in four straight games, never had more than 24 carries. And then down the stretch uh, and into the playoffs, including the Big Ten title game, 157 against Penn State, 211 against Michigan, 172 against Wisconsin, and 174 against Clemson. That is a mauling stretch of games where he had multiple Four multiple four game stretches of 121, 120 yards or more. Whew. Yeah, he was insane. I mean, I was doing the running back rankings throughout the year, so I had this weekly article where I was tracking what these guys were doing, and Dobbins was putting up like video game type numbers. I mean, it was absurd every single week. Um, you know, in, in a deep, in a Big Ten conference that primarily likes to stop the run or at least attempt to. So. Uh, he's a really special player. We we saw that kind of elevate even more so this year. He's uh, one of those top 100 players easily. So do you think he's somebody that a team would draft and expect him to start now? Or is it and, – and maybe – like and, and that's a tough question, I understand, because you don't – it depends on where he goes, obviously. But, like, let's say the Dolphins draft him with uh, a second-round pick. Is he, the, yeah. is he the starter for the Dolphins next year? Yeah, assuming they don't do anything else, I would I would safely assume that he's their starting running back. I would assume most teams. They have Jordan, Jordan Howard, so maybe it's like a timeshare with Jordan Howard. But I think he's better than Jordan Howard. So I I mean I would expect him to take over the starter's role there. I would expect pretty much any team that was going to take him in the first couple of rounds to to probably have starter aspirations for him. Um, but he doesn't need to. I mean he's from an Ohio State team that has some very talented running backs. I mean Master Teague is a guy that. Got a lot of carries for Ohio State last year as well. He's going to be a master T. Master T. Yeah, that is not a made-up name. That is a, a legitimate prospect. I think he's from Tennessee. Murfreesboro. Uh, Hell yeah, boy. Yeah, Hell so he's he's going to be a good one too. Put it right now, just for the name, Master Teague. Unbelievable. Master Teague the third. What? Unbelievable. All right. Um, I'm easily distracted. Let's take a quick break. When we come back. Josh will break down the top four running backs, including a possible Wisconsin replacement for former Wisconsin star Melvin Gordon. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. 
With rising defensive stars, Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So I teased something about Wisconsin. I love the idea, Josh, of the Los Angeles Chargers using a day two pick I assume it probably have to be their their second their first second round pick. I think they only have one, whatever it is, the thirty eight or whatever. Um, on Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin, they use a first round pick on Melvin Gordon, of course, a few years back. Uh, do you think that's a re- decent fit? And what do you think about Jonathan Taylor, the prospect? Yeah, I think it's a decent fit. Um, I had him going number sixty seven overall to the Lions, which is one of those circumstances where I was like, I don't know how this happened, but just as you're working through a mock draft, that's the way it played out. So I think it would be interesting if he did land in Los Angeles, especially as you mentioned, replacing Melvin Gordon, um, a former Badger there as well. You look at what they've got on the depth chart, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson's going to be more of a physical runner. Austin Eckler's a guy that you can use in a versatile capacity, catching passes out of the backfield, that kind of stuff. Jonathan Taylor, he's he's had some fumble issues. He's, he's going to have to clean that up if he wants to be on the field consistently. Um, but this is a guy that has home run threat. I mean, he's he's a really special player when the ball is in his hand. He's patient. Uh, we saw him become a lot more patient in 2019. Uh, it was kind of reminiscent of, of Le'Veon Bell, actually, another former Big Ten standout. He improved as a pass catcher. He's got great top-end speed, ran a 4-4 at the combine. It, actually, I think it was, I think it was 4 Almost a four three, actually, I think is what he ran at the combine. He ran so he four three nine at the combine. So you're correct. Uh, yeah. thirty six inch vertical jump. Wow. One twenty three broad, seven oh one, three cone, four two four, twenty yard shuttle. Those are pretty good numbers. The three cone's not great, but I guess that's whatever. So not yes, great? so that was that was one of the things that kind of stood out in film. He doesn't restart quickly. Um, he's got great top end speed, but he doesn't restart quickly. That's one of the things that you kind of see. But this is the prime example of a guy that may have some durability questions because of how many carries that he's gotten over the over his cor- the course of his career in Madison. I mean, he has, from my understanding, not even missed like a practice or a game. So it hasn't been an issue for him in the past. But when you're looking at the sheer number of carries that he's had over the course of his career, there's going to be some NFL teams that that dig dig into him a little bit deeper because they don't know how long he's going to be able to hold up at, at, at this level. So that's a guy that I think is interesting for the Chargers. I think he's interesting for the Lions. I think he's interesting for the Rams, the Steelers. I mean, there's a lot of teams that might be of interest in uh, Jonathan Taylor. He's he's a really special player. In fact, we've got a James Conner comparison on Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably a better running back, uh, more explosive than James Conner, but at the same time, you get a little bit of a visual in terms of his body structure, what he's capable of doing as a, as a running back out of the backfield. Love it. Um, third all time in terms of two year rushing yard total, uh, behind only Melvin Gordon and, uh, Troy Davis in terms of his rushing yards 
for the last two years, uh, for those that want to know, that total is 4,197 yards in two years. That is a crap ton of yards, 37 rushing touchdowns. And I think it's worth noting, I, I probably, I, I, I don't know, I don't even know why I say stuff anymore. I'm sure I've said it on this podcast, but, um, if you look at his receiving totals, like he didn't have huge numbers. I mean, 26 catches for 252 yards last year, which is not a ton, but, uh, Paul Chris made a point of working with him to get his pass catching better last year and to involve him more in the passing game. They just don't pass a lot because it's Wisconsin. But, like, 26 receptions and five receiving touchdowns is pretty good. 2,255 yards from scrimmage. It was very clear that they wanted to help him out to get to the next level. And so that's an added bonus is you get a guy who worked on his pass catching skills and, and tried to improve as, as he moved along. Exactly. I think when you have a guy that's able to identify his weaknesses – and be excited to improve them. Um, I think you have to be excited about what his, his professional prospects look like. He's had at least 299 carries in each of the past three seasons. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And again, like, it's great that he's durable. I think it's one of those things where, like Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor should not expect to be if, like, if, and in fact, this is, I think this is an interesting comment, like, just topic of discussion. If you're Jonathan Taylor, you would much rather be a second round pick than a first round pick. I know there's a lot of honor and pride in being a first round pick and being the first running back taken. Um, you would rather be the 33rd overall pick than the 32nd overall pick. Ha- wait till the second day because you don't get the fifth year option. So you're going to get uh, a franchise tag, worst case scenario, in your fifth year of, of playing in the NFL. And so, um, that is, that is, that would be beneficial for you, which it sucks that the system's like that, but what are you going to do? Uh, moving along to your number three. Oh, uh, any, any teams, like who'd you, who'd you have him mocked to? You said the Lions? Yeah. So I had him mocked to the Lions. You mentioned the Chargers, uh, yeah. the Rams, the Steelers would be a couple more. Okay. Um, and not really scheme dependent, more like just feed. No, feed. I think he, yeah, I think he's got some versatility. He can he can operate out of a more power scheme. I think he can do some zone blocking stuff as well. So, uh, you know, once you kind of get into this range with the kind of ability that all of these guys have, I think you see the potential in all of them uh, to be able to do – to be pretty much scheme, you know, not scheme specific, to have some versatility in that. So um, Jonathan Taylor is kind of the start – well, actually, J.K. Dobbins would be the start of that group, but – um, Jonathan Taylor, a guy that you know can probably excel in any situation that you place him in. But as you mentioned, when you're talking about the draft selection as well, it actually benefits him if you find that sweet spot because if you don't have him start right away, if he's sharing carries, that's going to make his career longer as well. It makes him more likely to get that big second contract. So I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a lot of value in landing in the right situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, another team that would be an interesting fit and, and- – Maybe I don't, I don't think you said, but like the Saints, I know that they don't really um, need a running back. They have Alvin Kamara, but like if you compare Alvin Kamara and Jonathan Taylor, to me that's a nice little comp too. Like you can put two guys in the backfield again. You know, Taylor can catch the ball if necessary, but he can be the guy who pounds it down the other team's throat. And you don't have to feature Kamara like twenty four seven. Okay, moving on to your number three, Cam Akers out of Florida State. Tell us about Cam Akers and why you should love it. The next Dalvin Cook? Eh? Eh? We do kind of have the next Dalvin Cook on this list, but it's not Cam Akers. Cam Akers is more of a Kenyon Drake kind of player. I know. I was was kidding about the next Dalvin Cook, but I wish you'd given me that so I could tease it uh, (laughs) it before the break. 
Anyway, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kenyon Drake is a little bit more of of what he reminds us of. He's got great change of direction, uh, explosive player, three down back. So you can count on him being on the field for pass protection, pass catching. You know, he's a he's a great runner as well. He's been slept on a little bit in this class because Florida State was just so bad this year. Their offensive line forced him to do a little bit They're more bad than the last like three years. They've been terrible. Exactly, but he was asked to do so much more even in this offense with uh, this offense with the liabilities that they had at the quarterback position, the offensive line unit. I mean, they were deficient across the board there, and he was asked to do a lot pretty much by himself. So his production may not pop the way that some of these other guys do, like Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins. Um, He does have some fumbling concerns as well, but this is a guy that has a lot of upside, and I think we could see his best football still ahead of him. I had him going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 45 overall. I had the Falcons, the Jets is, is a couple of other options as well, because it doesn't sound like the Jets are really comfortable paying Le'Veon Bell what he's getting paid. So I think they're trying to get out of that as quickly as possible. And then obviously Atlanta just gave a deal to Todd Gurley, but with what we know about Todd Gurley, how long can you rely on him to hold up as well? So I think those are three options uh, they could potentially stand out there if you're looking for suitors on K-Makers. That's uh, a great point about the Falcons. I don't think enough people talk about it. It's like, oh, the Falcons got Todd Gurley. They're fine. It's like, no, that's that's the opposite of fine. Like, like you have – I mean, is Todd Gurley definitely better than Devontae Freeman? Uh, I mean, maybe. No, I mean, it could be a wash. Right. This is the guy that the Rams were willing to part for nothing, essentially, except some cap space. So, I mean, it kind of tells you how they envisioned him, and they were the ones that drafted him. So – I don't think you can assume that Todd Gurley is a long-term answer in Atlanta. Fantastic player when healthy, but that's that's been the biggest issue in recent years. All right, number two on your list, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, LSU running back. Is is he the next Dalvin Cook? He's not the next Dalvin <laughs> Cook, but but you're. I mean, you know, we're down to two. Well, years, we're so down to two. So I, I was like, I don't really see him as the next Dalvin Cook, but okay. I, I actually, I, I agree with your comparison of the guy you're going to make it to. But tell me what you like about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So the player that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does remind us of is a little bit of Devin Singletary, the Bills running back, who um, is a little bit smaller, but he's very explosive. Um, he's he's great in pass protection. He's phenomenal catching passes out of the backfield. He's got great hands. Um, he's got a very low center of gravity, a low center of gravity. And that's not a short joke. It's a fact that he like shrinks his strike zone while he's running the football. So he rarely takes a loss. This is a guy that you can kind of count on falling forward anytime he's, he's contacted, but he's got great contact balance. Um, I had him going number 39 overall to the dolphins, which, uh, is probably a little rich for a lot of people, but I've come around to what he does playing that position um, he's a guy that has overcome expectations set for him every step of the way. Uh, he was a late addition to LSU's uh, recruiting class when he did sign. I mean, this is a guy that, despite all odds, all limitations, has just excelled every step of the way. So I said the Dolphins would be a good fit, but to me, I'm thinking this is the guy that you want alongside Tom Brady as well because you know he's going to bring his lunch pail every single day and he's going to force this defense to play every single practice rep like it's in the middle of the game. Uh, by the way, here's an amazing, amazing stat. Um, this is courtesy of uh, Lance Zierlein of NFL.com. 
30, 36% of Clyde Edwards Alaire's carries in 2019 were for either first downs or touchdowns. That is wild. I mean, that is a, like 36% of the time he touched the ball, he either got a first down or a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's mind boggling. They had a fantastic offensive line. Um, but to take anything away from him would be absolutely uh, misguided. He's, he's a really special player. His work ethic is special. Everything about him um, suggests that he's going to have at least a solid career in the NFL. I, I mean, I feel pretty confident in putting that kind of a stamp on him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, I, I mean, it's safe to say that like, – do you think uh, Alaire has a chance of going in the first round? I mean, obviously anybody does, I guess. But, I mean, it feels like it feels like if we get – we might get one running back in the first round. And I think anything – I mean, look, the Seahawks could do what they did. Somebody could do what the Seahawks did with Rashad Penny and just shock the world. But I would be really surprised if we got more than one or even one in the first round at this point. No, I agree with you 100%. That's actually one of the topics that uh, Chris, Ryan, and I are going to discuss in a mailbag tomorrow um, on CBSSports.com. So I'll tease that a little bit. But I think you're absolutely right. If we get an actual mailbag? Yeah, I'm going to throw it over my shoulder, a little little satchel. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's uh, – why don't, you guys do it in, why don't you guys do it in podcast form? You can take over the mics and you guys can record it and then uh, I can have a day off. Sound, I mean, I'll, I'm up for it. We'll, we'll hit up RJ. We'll hit up Debo. We'll uh, we'll get this settled out. But this is something we started doing last week, just just kind of touching on some draft um, questions. They're lingering in the minds of everybody. Like last week, we talked about possibly um, the Bengals trading out of number one and what it would cost for a team like the Dolphins to move up. So those are the kind of oh, questions. So, so that- like like RJ White, RJ White is our draft editor, floats you a question, all three, and then all three of you answer. So it's sort of yeah, like we- – we each give our perspective on on the way that it it's going to shake out on April 23rd. But um, this week, one of the questions that we have is when is the first running back going to be taken? Because we've seen kind of the devaluation of the the position um, over the last several years. We you know obviously had Zeke and Leonard Fournette and some other guys taken early in the first round, but you're kind of seeing more of this pass happy offensive NFL. So Teams are not valuing running backs in the first round as often. So if we even get one, it's probably going to come at the end of the first round. So in the sense, in the case of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I don't think he's going to go in the first round. Um, but once you start getting into that second round, I would feel comfortable with him. I'd feel comfortable with Cam Akers. I'd feel comfortable with Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins. I mean, that's, again, kind of this jumbled running back position that you start talking about in the second round, which is, I think, where we're going to start seeing a big run at the position. Well, and you know what happens with these things is, like, there's this, like, in 2013, there was no running back taken in the first round for, like, the first time in, like, 10 or 15 years or whatever, or maybe even longer than that. Uh, and then there was a stretch where guys were guys did go in the first round because teams were like, oh, like, you know, they, they started sort of revaluing uh, these running backs who were available to them um, in – in, in the early part of that draft. Now, I think 2014, maybe there wasn't one taken either. It sort of became more of the norm. But then again, in 2015 was when, uh, I'm to think. yes, uh, Gurley went 10th overall and Gurley was such an impact guy 
that it sort of changed the mindset and people were willing to, then it was like Zeke in 2016. Um, and then 2017, it's like, well, I mean, look at what Zeke did for the Cowboys. Look at Gurley did for the Rams. Like we got to take Leonard Fournette in the, in the top five. And all of a sudden it flipped things back the other way a little bit uh, where the overvalue, you know, now it's a little bit overvalued. Um, we saw Barkley in 18, but then 19, uh, Josh Jacobs is the highest guy. It depends on the class too, but I just think, I just think you're not going to see a ton. Like I just think teams are hesitant to to draft guys in the first round but the one guy who certainly could creep up in there of course uh would be deandre swift who is the next alvin cook (laughs) yeah we've got a dalvin cook comparison on him he's uh he's a really explosive player i love his lateral quickness his vision um believe it or not he's uh he's pretty swifty he's pretty swifty (laughs) great contact balance pass game effective I mean, he's solid in pass protection. This is a guy that does a lot of great things. He's actually pretty polarizing, though. I know a lot of people don't value him until probably the end of round two, but this is a guy that I think has a lot of first-round traits. He just differentiates himself a little bit more than the rest of this class, in my opinion. Mm. He's To me, I like the I like the Dalvin Cook comparison. Like, I think he's a patient runner who sort of, like, glides to the edge and then – will cut and get around the corner quickly on you and you don't really realize it and all of a sudden he's taken off for daylight. Like that's the that's the cook comparison that I sort of have with him. Exactly. I mean you're you're talking about that zone blocking scheme where he's able to kind of stretch plays out, um, see how the blocks are setting up for him, make that one cut and he'll be gone. I mean he's he's got that kind of speed. So he's he's a really special player with with his vision, his burst, um, just a guy that you can feel comfortable being on the field every single play. So this is where we get in the in the conversation of when is it okay to take a running back. So I had him going number 32 overall to the Chiefs. Sure. The Chiefs are a classic scenario where they're coming off a Super Bowl victory. You get a guy like DeAndre Swift, put him back there next to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you've got a Super Bowl roster. You can afford to make a luxury pick in the form of a DeAndre Swift. I mean, when you think about the Chiefs in the running back history, you think of the Priest Holmes, um, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt for for a very limited experience, but they're accustomed to having those special running backs, and I think DeAndre Swift could be next in line in that regard. But we're talking about Baltimore there at the end of round one. We're talking about the Dolphins in early round two. Those are kind of three teams that I look at is possibly the team that could take DeAndre Swift off the board as the first running back overall. Yeah, uh, I'm just, you know, just thinking back at sort of Andy Reid's, the one, and I'm not, I don't disagree. I've done, I've had the Chiefs as a, as a team and I've been, you know, mocking them to him as well. But like, you do look at his history since he got to Kansas City, Nile Davis in the third round, uh, DeAnthony Thomas in the fourth round, and the other one was, uh, Kareem Hunt in the third round. Now, oh, and also Darwin Thompson in the sixth. So I think, I mean, like that, and I'm not, again, I'm not, like I think that's where he would go. I just wonder a little bit if like if if we think that and, and you know, Andy Reid look Andy Reid took LaShawn McCoy fifty third overall and he was a guy that they featured for a long long time. You know he um try to think when did did he draft Brian Westbrook or was Westbrook oh why is where's is, where's is Debo when I need him uh yes he did draft him in the third round so that would be my only beef in uh in two thousand two that would be like my only qualm with the God, man, Andy Reid was there forever, wasn't he? Good Lord. Yeah, um, he was. I, my first 
the, my first gut feeling was there was no way that Andy Reid was there when they took Brian Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? Maybe they did. So I kept my mouth shut, and, and uh, good thing that I did. But you're right. I mean, I, I'm not taking it personally. That, no, no, I'm just saying that, like, if you look at Andy Reid's history of it, what he he has done a really smart job of targeting – guys in that 50 to 100 range who Westbrook, Kareem Hunt, um, you know, and, and LaShawn McCoy guys who have made a major impact. So I, I wonder, I just wonder, would he spend a first round pick on a running back? And I don't, we don't know the answer. Maybe he would, um, if he thinks Swift is that good. Yeah. I, again, I'm with you every step of the way. That was probably, um, a little bit of a stretch. You, you kind of go through these different scenarios every single week. I think, also, really? I, will, I will say this, Josh, too, and as someone who does this every week or every two weeks in his mock draft, you get to 32 and you're like, oh, my God, what are the Chiefs? What are the Chiefs? Like, you're just, A, you're ready to be done with the mock draft. B, you're like, what are the Chiefs need? And you're like, ah, De- I mean, DeAndre Swift would be awesome on the Chiefs. So, you know what? I'm giving him DeAndre Swift. I don't care what anybody says. And that, that you know, maybe Andy Reid sees it. I don't know. Maybe he sees some value in taking a guy at 32 now. I think it's just a good practice in general to to wait until the second or the third round, maybe even the fourth round, to get your running back. But the way that we're talking about the position now, you don't want to take one of those elite, you know, supreme water or running back talents until you have the rest of your roster filled out. Sure. So Kansas City is a team that you know they've got Patrick Mahomes. They're feeling comfortable with their with their uh, offense at this point in time. Andy Reid hadn't won a Super Bowl either, so you know this is a, this could be a year of first for Andy Reid. Maybe he uh, splurges a little bit and takes a running back in the first and, round. Hey, that's a great point. And and look, you know Darwin Thompson, we all love. It was a, I took him in like the seventh round of a fantasy draft last year. That was a, a obvious an idiot move. Um, Damian Williams proved himself to be much better than I think that people thought. But I mean, like he's you know he's not he's in the final year of his contract. And Darwin Thompson didn't really show anything as a, again, a sixth round pick. Like you can like his talent all you want, but if he's still a sixth round pick, like maybe Andy Reid's like, all right, we need to have somebody who we don't have to lean on this year right out of the gate because we have Damien for one more year. But Damien is 28. So I mean, like th- there is a very viable, um, argument that they need to invest in the position. Uh, and again, you're, you're talking about a guy that's, is capable of being on the field in passing situations. He's strong in pass protection, uh, or at least solid. I shouldn't say he's strong. He's solid in pass protection, and he's great as a pass catcher. So even in a pass-happy Chiefs offense, you can feel comfortable with him being out there at any given point in time. But you start thinking about the skill players on this Chiefs roster, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. You throw in DeAndre Swift in there, I mean, teams, teams are going to have to – they're going to have to respect that you can run the football in this sense, which is only going to open things up even more downfield for those other guys as well. So no, I mean, look, I mean, it's, there's limitless possibilities for what they could do. If you had DeAndre Swift, all of a sudden you were stretching vertically, you were stretching horizontally, and you were, you were uh, forcing defenses to cover a lot of things. Uh, okay, Josh Edwards, awesome stuff. On the running backs, man, the draft is coming soon. Are you ready for it to be here? I am, but but then I'm not because what happens when the draft comes and goes? What do we what do we look forward to then? The uh, Masters in September. Yeah, that's right. Um, baseball in Arizona in June, apparently. Yeah. Fanless baseball Arizona, like on an Olympic style compound in, in the state of Arizona, or the like the greater Phoenix location. Okay, sure, MLB. 
Uh, yeah, you're right. So I maybe, they're going to have this giant bubble. It's going to be like a, a globe fire, that they fire dome. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Uh, right. Good stuff. Good stuff, buddy. We will uh, talk again soon. Thanks as always for hopping on. Sounds good.